Hello and welcome back to episode 8 of the Desert Moon Hockey Podcast. We finally figured out... <laughs> What'd you say? I like that a lot more than uh, yeah. Easy Sports with Matt and Rich. Yeah, we finally got a name figured out. We finally got some merch that we're figuring out. or uh, Not merch, but branding. So we are finally on to a legitimate hockey podcast instead of just question marks up in the air. But uh, anyways... <laughs> On this show, we're going to be talking about a bunch of Coyotes news. Even though it's the offseason, we still got so much to talk about. Uh, <laughs> let's just start with number one here. And that is, uh, we because he's a, a uh, Arizona native kid, we're going to talk about Austin Matthews and the Maple Laughs and their first round exit of this year's 2022 NHL playoffs. Losing to the two-time Stanley Cup champions in the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, and that is going to be quite a talking point. But I'm going to finish up with my list of everything that we're going to be talking about today. So another one is that we have some fictional trades for Austin Matthews because you know those fans are going to be overreacting, and we know that the Maple Leafs are going to be overreacting. So maybe we got some fictional trades for Austin Matthews. Come back home to the desert. Uh Next up, we had a rumor spread from 32 Thoughts, a podcast up in Canada, uh, where they, I think it was not Friedman, but uh, Jeff Merrick, right? Merrick? Yeah, Jeff Merrick. Merrick. Uh, he <laughs> made a fictional trade of the Coyotes moving their third overall and next year's first for the first overall pick in Shane Wright. We'll talk a little bit about that. We also have uh, the draft order finalized. The Coyotes are going to be picking third overall. We're going to be talking about prospects that will be there at third. And maybe some also some more spice that is floating around with our, our Chikrin trade debacle. We lastly have two, sorry, two last things. We have OEL and Garland on the trade block. And seeing what's going to happen there in Canuckland. And, uh, man, that trade is looking better and better by the day as you uh, <laughs> look at what they're going to be trying to trade those players for. And then lastly, we are going to talk a little bit more about the goalies. I think we talked about this sh sh in a short stint uh, last week, but talking about all the goalies that are in the playoffs that were ex-Coyotes that are either moving on or have the chance to move on and are playing Game 7s here today. So that's all coming up shortly, but uh, before we get into everything, I'd like to ask for a like, a follow, a subscription, wherever you're listening to this plat. Sorry, whatever you're listening to this on, whichever platform, um, if you could do that for us, you know, that would really help us out. And especially with the rebranding, it's going to be uh, quite exciting. We're, we're really excited. So we're, we're really happy and uh, we're looking forward to what's going to come. Of course, we start this podcast right into the off season, but that's okay. We're going to have tons of fun. We know that you're going to be thirsty for content, Coyotes fans, and let's just hop right into it. And with our first with our first topic, we have drum roll, bum, 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 <laughs> the Leafs crying as they mentally break down in game 7, losing 2 to 1 to the back-to-back -back Stanley Cup champions, Tampa Bay Lightning. Oh, you know what? You know what? It feels you know so what? good. Before, 
before we get started, just just real quick. Uh, yes. Let me go ahead and virtue signal because anyway, I have a couple of friends that are that are least fans that aren't totally obnoxious. So if you're listening, feel free to just fast forward like 20 minutes or whatever, and uh, <laughs> we're not talking about you. As yeah. for the rest of you, <laughs> yes. What what happened? I, I thought this. Te- I thought it was their year this year. I thought this team was look. If you watched my uh, little like playoff you know, uh, bracket video, I was like, yep. I, I think they're finally going to win a playoff series. They're just going to choke in the second round. They couldn't yep. even do that. They, nope. they they had a three to two series lead, uh, and the the fans are blaming the refs left and right. And as someone who had to suffer through 2012's playoffs, I do not care about your your referees. The referees yep. have been terrible for years, and you won't only complain when it affects you. So we're just gonna that conversation does not exist here i can acknowledge the officiating's bad it's always bad you just, you only care when it affects you so yep we that out we, of the way. we witnessed <laughs> dustin brown knee on knee uh who was that oh god michael roseval roseval that's right knee on knee michael roseval after the play is dead on an offsides call no penalty roseval's out of that series because dustin brown knee on needs him very dangerous and then, play. And then to anyone that wants to justify it, I will give one inch. The play had just been blown offside. However, there was also mm-hmm. primary contact. There was, I think, shoulder to chest. There was also some contact around the fist to neck area. I don't want to hear anything about, oh, it wasn't explicitly knee on knee. There was multiple points of contact where it was an illegal check. Stop it. Dustin mm-hmm. Brown's a dirty player. Stop defending that. But back yeah. to Toronto, though. The team we're actually yes. here to dunk on. So... The, the Toronto Maple Loaves out here, you know that they have just one of the best, one, one of the best forward cores, uh, four four players, sorry, four forward <laughs> cores yeah. uh, out there, and, and just all this hype. They had Ilya Labushkin, the the goat himself, and he just could not bail them out of the series. Nope. And uh, uh, you watched it more closely than I did. I just watched uh, Twitter meltdowns repeatedly. So, w- would you like yeah. to give some? Deep insight, some deep analysis really get in there? Oh, I mean, man, I don't know where to start. I mean, I I do agree. So Game 7, I did watch a lot of Game 7. I watched, like, 6 and 7. I didn't I didn't really have time to watch the full series, but I watched the ending. Um, I did watch all the highlights and stuff like that. It, it's, once again, those, those boogeymen that they cannot get past, that they, for some reason, it you know the Leafs are the, the you know they played themselves they are their own, own worst enemy and I do agree so there was the, the controversial call of why they hate the refs I do think there is merit there but at the same time it you know you can't cry about that like you you know how many how many periods do you have to score like yeah it sucks that you get a goal waved off and blown back because of a penalty um, I don't know if you saw it, but essentially Justin Hall uh, comes streaking in from the uh, blue line and stops up right around the circles. And he stops, and he d- he played a perfect... If you're playing in the NBA, he made a perfect pick-and-roll for John Tavares to cross back over the circles right into that danger, the high slot area, or, uh, you know, the, the, the... Is it the slot or the top of the house? I just called it the top of the house. Um, you know, he, he goes right into that danger area and just picks, uh, I think it's low corner, uh, far side and 
it's a perfect pick and roll if you're playing in the NBA. But unfortunately, the refs deem it interference, and Justin Hall goes off for interference af- as the the puck is going into the net. It's rough. I do agree. That is a bad call. Because if you watch the play, Justin Hall stops up. If it's not interference in the NBA, why is it interference in hockey? Right? Justin Hall skates in, stops, uses his body as a screen, and as the the the, uh, the Tampa Bay player comes in, collides with him, like, you know, that's... That's he he's allowed to own that space. He's allowed to occupy that space. He stops. He has the right to stand there. And if you run into him, tough toenails. You know? So I do agree. That is definitely a bad call. But at the same time, you know, it's a two to one game. How much more do you need? You, this is supposed to be the high powered flying offense that can do anything and everything, but yet they end up you know, failing to to at least tie it back up, or even defend. You know, they they had a uh, the game tied at one one, and they they failed to uh, keep that lead or keep that uh, game tied, I should say. So I'm not I'm not like saying that the Leafs got screwed by the refs by any means. Game was tied. Like, you know, that is what it is. You failed to uh, you failed to complete. The uh, comeback, I guess you'd say, being down 1-0. And, man, is it fun watching tweet, uh, tweets. Holy crap. I cannot talk. <laughs> Leafs Twitter just absolutely explode right now. The amount of outrage, the amount of, all right, I'm done watching this team. It is hilarious to me because it's like that meme of uh oh god what's his name uh defranco something where he's got the noose around his neck and you know first time question mark like welcome to arizona where we get dumped on constantly by you guys lol lol they're gonna be playing in a college arena lol lol we we uh pay to make sure this team's still in float meanwhile this team which was owned by the league at one point has still made a deeper playoff run than you guys in the past 20 years. That is embarrassing. That Actually past decade. Yeah. Our top first line center for that deep run was Martin Hansel. You guys have oh. Austin Matthews who is a 60 goal scorer and you fail to get out of the first round. Five years consecutively. Which is a record. In MLB, NBA, and NHL, they are the first team uh, to lose what, five consecutive years of Game 7s in the first round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You guys are, are champions. You guys are absolutely uh, phenomenal. And can I just say, as a fan of a fake franchise that needs to be relocated, hey, Steve Dangle, take this L, you asshole. Oh, seeing him like holding back tears, uh, like the big uh, child that he is. You want to throw temper tantrums and throw shade at a smaller organization? Well, guess what? Enjoy mm-hmm. the L and uh, take 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 it away, Richie. Before I start getting us uh, bleeped <laughs> before- and blooped and all that. <laughs> <laughs> I I completely agree with you. I 
look, I respect Steve Dangle for what he's carved out his niche. I, I completely respect that. I respect what he does being a Leafs fan. I get that bias. But when you're on your podcast and you're insulting the Coyotes and you're you're telling me that there it's a much better arena solution to go to the Footprint Center. Why didn't they go to the Footprint Center? Why are they in ASU? That just shows to me how little you actually know about this market and that you need to stop talking about this market. I don't talk about what financial situations go off go on in Leafsland. I don't talk about how your tickets are outrageously priced in Leafsland <laughs> because that's your own market. But I definitely demand the same respect when you come at my market talking about how the Leafs should be put in a building where the upper bowl can't even see a third of the rink. They can't even see a third because the lip is so bad on the rink or on the uh, upper bowl. Like, don't talk to me about my market and the things that you clearly took maybe 10 minutes to read an article and don't actually know what's really going on here. So I don't feel bad for him. I don't feel bad for him one bit because he deserves it. If you're going to, if you're going to not treat people with respect and you're going to you know banshee whale and you know say like lol this team's a joke it's only ironic and comedic to see your team get killed in a game seven five consecutive years and just to, to kind of chip in for those of you that actually do have the capacity to listen you're kind of curious as to what we're talking about there. One of the main reasons the Coyotes jumped on the ability to go to Glendale was because the arena was going to be specifically designed for hockey. There are a couple of, of bad lip areas in Heel River Arena as well, but they are typically upper bowl, the very far sides of, I think it's the north and south ends of the arena, and it's only, yeah. uh, I think, a total of like 50 to 100 seats that I've personally kind of sat around us to see what the, the actual viewing angles are. So yeah. that's much better than the situation was at Footprint Center. On top of that, uh, the Footprint Center, uh, they did not want them there. The Suns did not want to share any of the time with the Coyotes. Yep. And they already get so many concerts, different events. They got the Rattlers and Mercury also playing there. There are yep. so many events going on there that they had the privilege to be able to be like, we don't want you here. So now, it wasn't a good arena match, and the, the people that run it don't want them there anyway. There wasn't much you could have done there. Yeah, and uh, just to to point out to the foot poof, blah, 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 blah. to point out to the footprint arena, um, another thing too. I don't know if they they put a scoreboard in the middle of the the court. Uh, I don't think they they did. But it's a massive one in the in the middle, like okay, there is the top, like a massive. Okay, it's, yep. it's up top. Uh, when the Coyotes were there, and there was that that lip problem, there was no scoreboard in the middle of that arena. The scoreboards were up on the end, so you're watching the play. You can't even use your peripherals to watch the play. You're watching the scoreboard like this, and you're pretty much it, you. You're better off just going to a sports bar, at that point. Like, it was bad. There's no way that they're going to be playing the football arena. And yeah, that's that's my rant for. Uh, it was designed for basketball. It's yeah. also very good for indoor football. I'm never gonna stop talking about the Rattlers. It's also very good for that, but it's it's primarily a basketball venue. And honestly, it makes sense. I was actually rooting for the Madhouse on McDowell. Like I've already told yeah. to my brother-in-law, I was like, we don't want those nice drunk Canadians getting stabbed on the way out because it's not in yeah. a very good area. 
So it's either Chase Field, which I thought would be interesting, but probably would be stupid expensive, or ASU. And honestly, if you're going to get into bed with someone, if you're going to Tempe, you get into bed with ASU, which, yep. in my opinion, is going to increase the likelihood that, that the deal goes through. It was a really smart decision in the long run. The problem is yep. people don't see past three years. Short term. Because yep. completely, and I've said it before, and not to go on too long, and I'll say it again, I'll reiterate it right now. If this was the Coyotes' plan for staying here, not, hey, we need a place to play for a couple of years and th- like while we're getting this arena built. If this was just their plan, nope, we're going to play in a 5K seat arena. I would be laughing at, at the pathetic excuse for whatever that is as well. But yep. it's not their plan. It's we need somewhere to play right now while we are working on the plan, while we are trying to get that plan yep. finalized. And they've been putting work into this plan for at least a year, if not longer, depending on who, what reports you want to believe and how Glendale was so desperate to get them to sign a 20-year lease. The same Glendale that knocked off the last 15-year lease, mind you. Had to just yep. reiterate that because no one ever seems to remember that. Yeah, no, it's at the very least a year they've been trying to work out details. It, it makes sense. We need just for right now. So I, I don't want to hear the whole, yep. you should be embarrassed. Uh, you should be embarrassed if you genuinely think that this is just their plan and that's it. They're just going to play in ASU yep. for forever or whatever. And it's, it's I'll let you, in a little, little, <laughs> let you in a little secret. Uh-huh. Guess what? If Tempe rejects the deal, there's still tons of land around there. Do you really think they're not going to go to a native, the natives who they have good standing with? Remember, they, you know, they put in a, a a name rights deal with the native community with Gila River Arena. Gila River is a native community. You don't think that they're going to go to the native communities and go, hey, you know that land that you've had vacant for hundreds of years? How about we put a brand new arena right there and make you guys a lot of money? And also, hmm. they can bring that up in negotiations with Tempe because... Here's how you have to look at it from the perspective of of Tempe. It's either you're going to get the traffic and get the money, or you're going to get the traffic and none of the money because uh, obviously there are still certain things that Coyotes would have to pay tax-wise. But when you're dealing with with native land, there are very, very different things you have to deal with because the government does not have jurisdiction over that. So it's literally, do you want the money or not? And especially with ASU already showing interest, I still got to make a video separate on that. I keep forgetting how ASU wants their basketball teams to play in the Coyotes' new arena. The second that came out, I'm like, dude, this is a done deal. They just need yep. the vote to go through because if ASU is thinking that long term, we want to use this arena as well. You cannot tell me that the the organization, institution, whatever that owns the city of Tempe, obviously not mm-hmm. legally, not like they run the government, but they own everything in the main downtown Tempe area. Yeah, no, I it's done. It, it yep. is a hundred percent going to happen, and if it doesn't. Uh, we're going to have a very nice relationship. I think it's what the Salt River Indian community that owns. Yes, that I land. believe so. It's, it's and what just down the road is. I was about build. to say it is like <laughs> a mile, maybe down the freeway. You're talking maybe three stops from the freeway. You've got land to the north side of. So it, I'm sure you guys have seen the mock-up of the building, and it's right on the lake. It's Tempe Town Lake. Now, granted, if you look at the mock-ups, there's water in front. There's not going to be water in front. <laughs> there's a lock before that, and so it's going to be a dry creek. But maybe they end up blowing that out, extending the, the lake a little bit further on. Who knows? But for now, it's going to be a dry creek. 
anyways, they are building on what is the southwest side of this river. The land that we're talking about is on the northeast side. You have a massive junction. You have the 202, which connects to the 101. So you have a, a freeway going this way and a freeway going that way, right? The 202 is on the north side of the river. On the other side of the 202, there's a massive flat field where the Phoenix Rising played for a period of time. That can be developed. On the other side of the freeway, so you have this crossing freeway, right? We have the 202, which is running parallel with the river. On the other side of the 101, there is just flat field for miles, and that is all native land. That is tons of native land, and you are talking about maybe a mile, mile and a half from where they want to build it now. It's not going to be the difference between Phoenix and Glendale, just to really just... In mm-hmm. case you're not following properly, just to knock that home, it is completely is not the same concept. It's an additional ten minutes, and that's mm-hmm. being like pessimistic. Whereas that's an extra hour, hour and a half, depending on traffic. It's and it's, it's closer not to the comparable. fans. If you want to be if you want to be specific, most of the fans were in the east side Scottsdale area. It's closer that way. It's only closer for those people. Yeah, it is. It is all from, like, even if Tempe fails to, to reach a vote or, or, or whatever, they kill it, which, why would they? It is a literal trash pit. That land is a literal compost trash pit. And you're telling me that you're not thinking about a $2 billion project that wants to sit right here and develop the majority of that, and all they're asking for is tax breaks? They're not even saying, hey, we need you to we need you to put money into this project. We're asking for tax breaks. And no one else submitted any proposal for the land. Mm-hmm. So, again, it genuinely comes down to do you want the traffic and the money or do you want the traffic and no money? Like mm-hmm. it has to come down to that no matter how you're thinking about it. And the second the story changes and the coyotes ask for tax money, I hope the city of Tempe rejects it. But as of right now, it's just breaks, which mm-hmm. I still think is a little iffy considering uh, they, they don't have that much goodwill. So I, I will give a little bit of credence to the counter argument. But considering that that's as of that we can tell is what they're asking for, I don't think that's unreasonable or something that is going to kill the deal. Could be Anyways. wrong, but just as of right now, it doesn't seem like it would. We're, 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 we're dragging this too far out. We're back to the, like I was talking about last week, we're back to the schizo posting. So let's let's get off the schizophrenia Fictional topics. trades. Let's talk about yes. fictional trades. Fictional so, trades. So we already know that uh, they're, it's a meme. It's a meme within the Coyotes community. It's also a meme just kind of trolling Toronto fans that there could be a huge shakeup because they just can't get over the hump. They have no... Uh, they have no cap space, which, yes, Mitch Marner, I, I know apparently you were crying about that, about how you're tired of losing. Well, maybe you shouldn't have demanded that four players take up 48% of your cap space and yep. then you have no space to get anyone else. I don't want to hear the arguments of, oh, well, you know, they got to do what's best for them. If you want to win, you need to sacrifice the money. If you just want the money, you're going to have to sacrifice winning. You cannot have both in a cap-centric league. Yep. It's also why they want to get rid of the, of the actual hard cap, which is a terrible idea. It goes against small markets. But anyway. So yeah, I mean, that's the whole potential. reason of why they want to go to a luxury tax. It's literally to benefit only the big, big supermarkets. The people that can afford it. Because Toronto, Montreal, they can afford it. Anyway, to not get off, to, off topic too much. Yes. So we're going to go ahead and propose just a couple of small trades. Uh, one, 
This is my personal mock-up. It's my favorite, actually. Uh, Pete, a uh, guy who covers stuff on Twitter, also mentioned, oh, John Tavares, number one center for the Coyotes, because <laughs> they might want to kick the local kid out. They're not yeah. kicking their local boy out. They're going to kick our local boy back to us. It's going to be yeah. the Coyotes sending the 2022 third overall pick. And Harry Soteri to Toronto over yes. Austin Matthews. What, yes. do, you, do you like my trade, there, buddy? Oh, I, I think they'll. <laughs> I think they'll love it. They they really wanted Soteri. Sorry, I should say it right. I'm gonna I'm gonna correct you here. It's Soteri. I know uh, it's a weird one, but yes, Soteri and a third. What 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 do you what do you think about that? That'll that'll correct their cap. They get Logan Cooley. You go from. Your sixty goal scorer to a eighty goal scorer and Logan Cooley. What a what a nice trade for you guys. And you even get Saturday back. You get another even goalie. though he's a UFA. I, I don't care. I like your trade. Your trade's also pretty fun. Yes. You want to tell him your trade? For sure. So my fictional trade is we will give you one gently used Jacob Chikrin for Austin Matthews. You go from an all-star center to an all-star defenseman. Our asking price is quite high at three, you know, three first-round assets. But, but we'll make an exception. We will take Austin Matthews off your hands, and uh, I think we'll call that a done deal. What do you think? One for one, baby. I think. Look, listen. One let's try to benefit one. this. The amount of people that have been saying that defense has been a huge problem for Toronto for years, they also have been saying, even though they've been doing little things to fix the defense and this year it wasn't as bad, you have to get younger, all right? I don't think Giordano is going to be there next year. I don't think you're going to have uh, – well, Duncan Keith has one more year left on his deal, right? He's got another year. but he's also Keith is in Oiler. I misremembered. I apologize. But, yeah, so Giordano, I think Hull is 30 or 31. Got a couple older guys, so why not go I, for I, Chick Norris? I know the fans hate Hole. Yeah, I know the fans <laughs> hate Hole. So even before that game seven penalty, they hated him. So I think he's probably gone. He's going to be gone in the way of, oh God, who's the guy who went to Carolina that they who was their whipping boy for the longest time? Gardner, Gardner, Gard, Jake, from, Jake something. Is it Jake Gardner? It I think it's Jake like, Gardner. That sounds correct. He was, but he was their, their whipping boy for the longest time, and it turned into Hall uh, this year. So I'm just saying, you guys want to get younger. You guys need a mm-hmm. little bit more scoring from the point, which is also a good idea. What, it, Morgan Riley and Jacob Chicken as a pair doesn't at least interest you on a power play or at least putting Chick on your power play. Look, listen, we need to, we need to get to the cap floor. Yeah. We're tired of having Chicken on our injured reserve. He can yeah. be on your injured reserve. Hey, you guys pay us anyways. You pay us anyways. <laughs> Why don't we help you out here? We'll, we'll we'll fix your cap situation. We'll help you out. We're going to give you a Norris caliber defenseman and Jacob Chikrin. And we'll just take our, our, our hometown kid back. Pajama we Sam is in, in <laughs> Toronto. Bring us, bring our guy home. We Danny Briere in super glue for you. <laughs> so that way you can keep his knees together. True. True. <laughs> all right, all right. All right. On from that little little bit of nonsense that I know is going to be one of the clips you're going to throw out separately. Uh, so <laughs> I don't remember if it was specifically the 32 Thoughts podcast. It might have been. I was watching a video on it this morning. But there was and this is not based off of any rumor. This is literally just um it wasn't Elliot Friedman. I forget the gentleman Jeff you Merrick. mentioned. 
Jack uh, so I believe he just threw it out there uh, essentially just because he he chose violence uh, that morning. Yes, but. maximum <laughs> chaos. I love I love his approach. I disagree with what he said, but I love his approach. Maximum chaos. So the Coyotes, we could use a Shane Wright. I I've, mm-hmm. I've already come to terms with us getting a Logan Cooley instead, or a Slavlovsky. Ah, I can't say his name properly. Slavkovsky. Slavkovsky. I need to have yes. names in front of me. What I'm not used to saying it very much anyway. It's a Flopsky. That's a good one. You that later. But uh, <laughs> I've already come to terms we could use one of those players more in our current system right now. But mm. for chaos, and I, it, yes. I guess I kind of threw the idea out there. I'll take credit for this. I was like, oh, the Coyotes, if they don't get first overall, they have the assets to trade up. Mm-hmm. So it's the Coyotes getting this year's first overall in exchange yep. for third overall and the Coyotes next year's First round first pick. Round. Now, mm-hmm. before you go off right now, I will say this. If you're down for taking the, the other two first round picks we have this year, I'll overpay and say, let's go for chaos. But the second yeah. you want to throw out next year's pick, I think it mm-hmm. becomes one of the dumbest ideas possible. Again, I, yep. I know it's not an actual rumor or anything, just an idea you threw out there. Yeah. But just put it into context, even though the Coyotes will never win a draft lottery, would I rather have a chance at Connor Bedard or would I rather have just Shane Wright and no other, like top, five, no other top ten assets? Because the Coyotes could still trade with their lower assets back into the top ten and get two top ten players if they really wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And if we if we talk about realistic trades here, um, if Jacob Chikrin gets traded, I know that LA was was thrown out there a lot. You know, Drew Doughty is starting to get older. He's starting to slow down. He's starting to run out. He's he's looking less and less like that that number one guy, right? And as you see with them going to the playoffs this year, they're still hopeful. They want to rebuild. They want to get back in there. They want to be consistently in the playoffs. Jacob Chikrin is actually a pretty good trade for them. Uh, you take you, you take a little bit of a guy with what ifs but has that potential to be a Norris-caliber defenseman. He did get votes in that shortened season. He was spectacular in that shortened yeah. season. Um, that could be a guy that we could legitimate, or we, we could see that being a landing spot for Chikrin. Uh, this year's first is going to be probably a sub-20 first after losing in the first round, so they'll be like 20 to 16, somewhere in there. Um, it makes a lot of sense. Man, like moving back to let's say sixteen to twenty range and trading it around. I, as crazy as Jeff Merrick is, you know, you you could also move that asset too. Let's say you take that first that you get from Chikrin from LA, that sixteenth or you know, eighteenth or whatever, you take the third, you take and maybe another first from the Colorado or Florida or sorry, not Florida, uh, Carolina deal, and maybe you package three firsts to move up two spots. Just a thought. Just a thought. Now, now, uh, gotta get to my correct. Page. Maybe they like. Me. <laughs> sorry, I was gonna say the the other. Sorry to finish this off. The the other reason why this makes a little bit more sense for, um, for Montreal before you go insane and say no way they're doing this. Maybe at third, Shane Wright is available. There's a center that they're desperate for. Maybe they like Shane Wright a little bit more. Or Sorry, not Shane Wright. Uh, Logan Cooley. 
Maybe mm-hmm. Shane uh, Logan Cooley is there at third. There's a center at, in Logan Cooley that you can still pick up. Now, me and uh, well, Richard and I decided to do a little consensus top ten mock draft. So I'm just going to throw those out at you real quick. If you got any yep. witty remarks, you can go for that. So our mock is as follows. Number one, Shane Wright. Number two, uh, Uri Slavkovsky. Number three, Logan mm-hmm. Cooley. Uh, Nemec goes number four. Kemmel uh-huh. goes number five. Connor Geeky at six. He said it's uh, Savoy. Uh, yes. Is that his Matthew, name? Matthew Savoy. Yep. Matthew Savoy at seven. Cutter Gochi at eight. Uh, Yurchek at nine. And your boy Nazar at number mm-hmm. ten. That's just kind of our mock. I know you think Nazar is not gonna not gonna keep dropping. You thought he was gonna shoot up a little bit, but that mm-hmm. would still be a phenomenal value pick. Where I'm coming at this from is the Coyotes. They they pick top three. Even if we eliminate Montreal real quick, if they make that Chikrin trade on draft day, you get, let's just call it 18, your 18th mm-hmm. pick, and I think Carolina's pick will be higher than Colorado's, even though I have Colorado getting eliminated in the second round. But you take whichever one is higher, and the Coyotes could realistically get back within the top 10, and depending on, there's one, what, your check was the one you had your eye on that because yes. of an injury might so- fall. They can get another defenseman. They can get up and try to get, like, a Geeky or a Gauthier, depending on how high they can get back up. It makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I was going to say, so the reason why I think your check is going to fall is that he, he received an injury at the, I believe it was the World Juniors Tournament. I, I always mess up the tournament names. I just know it was the tournament in Europe. Um, he received it in, like, the first period or second period of the first game. So I think that his stock will fall a little bit. I think that he is still a very nice, very, very nice defenseman. The other guy who is another defenseman is Simone Nemec. Uh, I think that Seattle would be crazy not to pick him at four. I think that he is not going to be available. I have Nemec being the best defenseman in this draft. I think Yurchek is a great consolation prize. So if you look at all of that, it makes perfect sense why the Coyotes, again, and just to put it even further into context, just you're, you might not believe this just by me saying it. If they trade those two first-round picks, including the one they would get in that hypothetical Chikrin trade, they'd still have three firsts this year. It, it, mm-hmm. Just to put it into context, just how many yep. assets this team has and just what they could do with it if they decide to. If they don't have a dance partner, then you know what? This is all just speculation. But if they can get some of this done... Realistically yeah. speaking, they can get another top eight prospect. We wanted to go top ten just to kind of show you what we think. But worst mm-hmm. case scenario, if Nazar keeps dropping, they could try to turn that 18 into 12 or 13, wherever they think Nazar is going to be, and go yep. grab him there. Now, here's the reason why we seem so dismissive of first overall picks. We have a list mm-hmm. from 2007 of the first overall, yep. and I'm going to read it off, and then I'm going to hand the floor to Richard after every pick, and we're going to try to show you it's a more recent phenomenon that first overall picks are either taking longer to develop or uh i don't want to say misdrafted i feel like that's a very salacious way to say it but definitely not reaching their potential i think is yeah, the best way to say it so we'll start great with, oh sorry great asset just doesn't reach their potential so 2007 we're going to start since that would have been the first draft i was a fan for patrick mm-hmm. kane out of chicago oh hit i think we can hit. all Agree yep. there. Uh, 2008, Steven Stamkos, you know, I, I think he's had a fine career. I, th- <laughs> I yep. think back-to-back Stanley Cups, it's just fine. Uh, yep. 2009, Toronto boy, John Tavares from New York. I 
I'm going to call that a hit. He had his best years in New York, and I think he actually helped carry that franchise a lot. And then as soon as he left, they carried themselves. So how much did he actually carry them is what I'm yeah. thinking after that. <laughs> mm-hmm. 2010, Taylor Hall. I'm going to call that one a hit. But then again, you know I'm a lot higher on Hall than you are. I, I I'm, still high, I'm still high on Hall. I, I, I like Hall. I think that he has regressed a little bit. He's not that, uh, you know... Uh, regular season MVP that he was in New Jersey, but mm-hmm. I still like him as a first overall pick, and he was very serviceable in Edmonton. I remember he was very dangerous in Edmonton. Um, I, I'd, I'd say that he's pretty safe in that draft, and like, who else is in that draft? Maybe Tyler Sagan? It, it's like a 1A, 1B kind of thing. I think Hall was a, a, the right pick at first overall. And so far, the only Coyotes player, who wasn't drafted by the Coyotes, but the only Coyotes player that was a first overall uh, 2011, sure. Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Probably picked a little high, in my opinion. I'm not, I'm not looking at high. the rest of the draft when I say that. But he's a very serviceable... Is he their third-line anchor or their second-line center? He, I think he's their third. I don't know, though. Like That team is such a mystery to me because technically, if you were ideal, you'd have McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins down the middle, and then you'd actually put good, you know, good players on the wings, but... They don't do that. They put McDavid and Drysaddle together and just go maximum, maximum they offense. Split them, they put them back and they split them and they put them back. Yeah, but ideally, Nugent Hopkins would be a third line center. But for a first overall pick, like that is rough. Like it, I'm just gonna name a guy two, two, uh, two picks below that. Jonathan Hubie Dooby Doo, Jonathan Huberdo. <laughs> just saying, gun to your head. All right, it's. Let's just say it's a penalty shot, game seven, game is tied. Who do you want uh, taking that shot, Nuge or Huberdo? Huberdo. Huberdo. <laughs> the fact there wasn't even a Huberdeau. thought there. I know it's yeah. a really weird thing to bring up, but I'm just talking about like if you, that first overall pick to me should be at least an elite player, if not franchise-level player, and then if you're really lucky, a generational talent, but we does only come around a couple times every generation. Uh, you know, Sid the Kid, uh, Ovechkin. Yes, Richard. <laughs> I have a brain blast. Ready for this? <laughs> yes, got you. Right, Nugent Hopkins. Center. Right? Not mm-hmm. as skilled, but very good. Mm-hmm. Nugent Hopkins. First overall pick. Shane Wright. Not as skilled, but very good. <laughs> third third in this 2011 draft, Jonathan Huberdeau. Very skilled. Very fast. Not as big. Third overall pick, potentially. Logan Cooley. Not as big. Not, but very fast. Very skilled. Do we oh, see so history glad. repeat itself here? I'm, so I'm glad just saying. Because if anyone just with a saying. brain saw that clip, maybe they're, that gives them enough time to like just stop in their boots for a second. Anyway, 2012 yep. Neil Yakupov. Nothing against the guy. That's not it. Womp, womp. Uh, Nathan McKinnon, I remember, 2013. Oh, hold sorry, on. <laughs> Before, I have a bone to pick. Nail Yakupov. Bye. I'm glad you're gone. When you wanted to score an OT winner in game four of your rookie season and you go sliding back down the ice like you're freaking, uh, a, uh, I want to say a football player, but a soccer player, and you're sliding down our ice, yeah, get out of here. I saw that game. He wasn't as ridiculous in the previous game, but that uh, he did it again in our arena. Screw you. <laughs> 2013, 
Uh, Nathan McKinnon, 2013. I can hate Colorado all I want. Where this is a unanimous that that was a that's a good one. Oh yeah. 2014. Oh, yeah. This is not meant to be a hot take. All right, Aaron Eckblad. I still like. I, I think we agree he's not first overall material, but he's still a no. very 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 good player. He's good. The problem is that he could never stay healthy, and he still can't stay healthy. It's a big shame to see because I am a big fan of Ekblad, but he is not a first overall pick. When you talk about who's taken at number three, a little guy named Leon Dreisaitl. Yeah. Now, granted, there's a lot to say with Dreisaitl playing with talent with McDavid. But at the same time, you had already drafted Sasha Barkov. Could you imagine Sasha Barkov with the big physical body of Leon Dreisaitl? Uh, the next two years, 2015, 2016, Mick Jesus and Austin Matthews, we, we have no complaints there. So yes. I think up to this point, you had what? Ekblad, we don't think was first overall material, but very good. Ryan Eugene Hopkins, not first overall material, but very good. Yakupov, bust. Uh, so yep. out of the first, what, that's damn near 10 players we've mentioned uh seven of them have hit seven of those like really yep. good yeah now we get into the modern phenomenon 2017 yes. on uh nico he in 2017 i think he's a very good player not first not a first overall pick. <laughs> not first overall also it didn't take him a couple of years to finally like almost everyone else on this list that hit and even mm-hmm. ekblad he was immediately good he yep. didn't take him a couple of years to really kind of get his stride Yes, it took Heesher quite a few strides, and on top of that, I don't know if he's ever going to realize that potential that he had uh, going into that draft. I'm glad New Jersey took Heesher over Nolan Patrick. Uh, (laughs) That was a big red flag that everybody saw because Nolan Patrick was projected to go first, Uh, Mm -hmm. but as that draft got closer, it was flipping back and forth because Nolan Patrick could not stay healthy, and he still cannot stay healthy. So, good on New Jersey to take the better asset of those two that the, that the census was saying. But even still, you got you got names like Elias Pedersen in Vancouver. You got, mm, I don't know, this little kid named Kale McCarr <laughs> at four. Um, you got Suzuki, Nick Suzuki in that draft. Uh, Robert Thomas was a, a late one at 20th, right? And uh, a little guy that I'm high on, I, I love this kid a lot, and that is Jason Robertson of Dallas, taking the second round. Second round pick. So, uh, just to kind of show you right there, while it was a smarter pick, um, there were... I, I could definitely see McCarr being... If you had to redraft, I, I might be leading McCarr first overall, if I had oh, yeah. that, that chance. Oh, yeah. uh, next year, 2018, Rasmus Dahlin at Buffalo. Uh, can we just call that one... That's hard. That's so hard. So it is younger. It is younger. So mm-hmm. let's let's wait a couple of years, right, before we start labeling stuff. But man, Svechnikov is looking real good. You have Quintinius Hughes out there, who Stud. as much knock as he gets defensively, he can put up points of offensively. Kachuk's out there too, and in that draft, yeah, that is one of those ones where. I'll wait and see because defensemen take longer to develop than offensemen. So, you know, Rasmus Dahlin being a defenseman, but that's looking a little bit like the Ekblad year where you look at this kid. He he doesn't have a health problem like Ekblad, but he just, 
could never expand on what that projection and that expectation was. Just to break in here real quick, he is mm-hmm. number two of the only th- three defensemen we're going to talk about today. Uh, mm-hmm. Pretty much don't take defensemen first overall. I just, I, I, that's all I'm going to say. Not as a knock-on defenseman, but like you said, just like with goalies, takes them longer to develop. And on top of that, it's yep. I feel like defensemen have a higher likelihood of busting out because it's such a massive role they have to fill. And you get in one of their heads, something with a goalie, they start letting in bad goals, start turning the puck over badly, whatever. You could really derail a career, like uh, I think, pretty quickly. Yep. Uh, next up, Jack Hughes, twenty nineteen. I think he's good. Un- Very good. Real numbers <laughs> in the U.S. development program. Unreal. I think he had like a two points a game record. He was up there in like top five of all time points per game in the USDP. I don't know. I I've, he's he looked better this year, but man, it, it has been a slow grind for Jack Hughes to become that all-star, that superstar that you want at first overall. I said I still think he's very good, but yeah, it's I feel like first overall, like almost everyone else we talked about before 2017 near immediately if not immediately made an impact. I feel like mm-hmm. Jack Hughes didn't do that his first year. I think he had a, a I'm going to say good first year, but my expectations for prospects apparently is so much different than everyone else's expectation. Uh, Dylan Strom, just to throw that one out there. So, like, I, I kind of yep. get that. 2020, Alexi Lafreniere going to New York. See, this is a problem. I don't know if Alexi Lafreniere is a bust. He he has not looked good in the Rangers system. Uh, Timmy Stutzla has looked really good in Ottawa. I really like Stutzla's game. Um that's a rough one because this has been a franchise time and time again that has been constantly yelled at for failing to develop players in New York Rangers. They have constantly failed to develop. And is it a failure in the system or is it a failure in the player? I don't know. I liked Lafreniere uh, going into that draft. Uh, he was from the QMJHL, which is a little bit of a red flag to me because the QMJHL is all offense. They play zero defense. So those numbers can be skewed pretty badly in the QMJHL. So you got to take them with a grain of salt in their draft year. Um, but, man, he, he's a big body. He's got that NHL presence that you want to see. He just has not put up the points that you'd expect from a first overall pick. And then finally, last year, Owen Power, who... Let's just... I'm, I'm going to go ahead and close the book, literally. <laughs> literally closing the book here. Yep. Um, he's going back Too to early. college. From what I can tell, he had a very good first college year. Or not first college year, college year this season, excuse me. Um, mm-hmm. It's way too early to tell for him. Even for Lafreniere, it could... It, it's still a little too early to say if he is a bust. But when you're talking yep. about first overall pick, you want, realistically, within the first couple of years, you to be an elevating type player. And I, I think that that is at least fair to look at the organization for. Uh, yep. So I think Owen Power, it's, it's literally too early to tell. He hasn't even had his rookie season in the NHL yet. But as for yep. everyone else, I feel like you're seeing the last five years, guys are either taking a lot longer or they're being misidentified or misdrafted, I guess. I, you had a better term. I'm just going to use that to try to convey the specific point I'm trying to make. Uh, maybe a little overvalued. Guys, you know, like I said, taking longer. 
we might in five years look at this and as Coyotes fans be happy that Shane Wright wasn't drafted by us. We also could be Coyotes fans like the McJesus year or the Austin Matthews year and think we really wish we could have got this guy. Now, but because it's becoming more and more muddied as time's going on, and I have no idea if it has to do uh, not blaming advanced analytics. I don't know if it has to do with people paying a little more attention to certain advanced stats in leagues that it wouldn't be appropriate for, or overvaluing certain ones over this, or ignoring it for the eye test, when in my opinion there needs to be a combination of everything when mm -hmm. assessing a player, because if you can see them struggling in a lot of these situations, but their advanced stats look good. It's like, well, I already know where you're going to struggle and you can make a better assessment there. It's, it's all useful tools. Now I have no yep. idea if it's because we're in the advanced stats era, but we're getting to the first overall pick is simply not a given. And it's never been a given, but for a few years there, by that, I mean, close to a decade, it was almost a given. You were going to get your franchise player at first overall. And now yep. it's, I like Jack Hughes. I don't know if he's, New Jersey's franchise. He might be. I'm not saying he's not going to be. But the, mm -hmm. the fact that it took him a year or so. Lafreniere probably is not going to be New York's franchise player. Could be. I, I don't think I don't think he ends up being. Uh, Darlene could be Buffalo's franchise player. I, I don't think he does. Same thing with Heischer. I, not to draw it on too long. It's just we might look back on this and be happy. Could yeah, could be. <laughs> yeah, it could go both. It could go two ways. It could be the Nugent Hopkins Huberto draft, or it could be the Connor McDavid Dylan Strom draft for the Coyotes. That was a great, <laughs> great, and great pickup there. But with that being said, uh, did I have confidence in John Chike at the time? Yes. In hindsight, should I have? No. Uh, he put himself with a bunch of people who were kind of in a, a fake it till you make it mode. Whereas where is Bill Armstrong now? I am extremely confident. It is not a, he, him trying to sell me on, on a, a vision like John Chica was. He is like, this is my vision. This is what I'm doing. Not just a, let me sell this to you. I like what he's put himself around in the office type situation, there's a great stat that uh, I think he said on uh, PHNX, or maybe it was the crew on PHNX uh, who said this, but it all the guys he's he's put around him, uh, four of them have picked first overall. So that tells you, you know, how he's been able to poach people who know what the hell they're doing and who ha like have been there before. Versus nobodies that are taking massive pay cuts because they're just getting into it, right? It's like in the in the talks of engineering, do you want the kid just coming out of school? Or do you want the veteran who's been in it for a very long time and knows what the hell to do, right? And also the kid coming out of school could be that next veteran that knows what he's it doing. Could be. The problem yep. is it also... Uh, just to briefly talk basketball, I guess, for a second, it's the same thing with, like, Jalen Smith this year in the Suns. Sometimes you just need, we're in win-now mode, we need a veteran. Sometimes it's, we're mm -hmm. in rebuilding mode, we need young players, like the Coyotes right now, getting McBain, Smith, very, in my opinion, very smart moves. Hey, we can get these young kids in here, give them ice time, 
Let's see what we can do with them. It just it depends on where you're at with your franchise. And my biggest problem with Chica, he was starting to win me over late. I hated what he did to Donor, but I know that also came from uh, ownership. Allegedly, when he allegedly did to Donor. Uh, we we know that that came ownership. from ownership. Yeah, he uh, Barraway publicly went onto the NHL network to apologize to Shane Doan for what he had done. So we know that came had, from ownership. That man needs to be nowhere near a hockey team. Anyway, just if I was mad at Vegas for the did to Flurry, I was honestly I wasn't gonna go to hockey games again after what they did to Shane Doan. Just to, you don't do that mm-hmm. to your franchise. But anyway, uh, so that how he just kind of bought out Vermette and just threw him away, even though he was one of our best faceoff guys at that time. Why not let, keep him around for the extra year? The little things he was doing, what he did to Z, how he just planted him in the minors for his last year, even though he was – you cannot look at that roster. I think it was 16, 17, might have been the year before. You cannot yep. look at that roster and tell me that there was six better defensemen on it than Zabinic McCulloch. Like, yep. he, he was starting to lose it a little bit. I'm not going to pretend he was an all-star at that point. But, yeah, no, I, that's just disrespect in my opinion. But he started making smart trades. Now, let me put a huge asterisk here. Theoretically smart trades. Getting Alex Goligoski, I thought that was a pretty good value for the pick they used. They gave yeah. him way too much money for. No, they gave him too much term. Let me, let me correct that. They gave him too much term. If it would have ended two years sooner, that would have been a great contract. Bringing in Derek Stepan, great idea. You needed a, a bigger center or at least a higher, you know, priority center. He was never a number one center. It didn't really make that much sense. You were just trying to upgrade. Jarmusen, great guy to bring in. Shouldn't have gave him number four. But you see. The, these <laughs> trades on on the surface look good, or they were good, and then they kind of deteriorate over time. The Taylor Hall trade I thought was phenomenal because I, I really wanted this team to take a step and go into the playoffs. And they ended up making the playoffs that year. Yeah. I really wanted them to take that step, and to me it showed that they were trying to add legitimacy. The biggest yep. problem is hindsight's twenty twenty, and as much as I loved that core, Garland, Dvorak, Keller, he was finally starting to kind of hit his stride around that time, all those guys... The problem is they weren't ready to make the step. They did not have the right coaching. They did not have – they had a lot of good prospects. They didn't have the right guys developing them so that way they can slot in when you need to replace guys. I think as much as I love Grabner and I love Brad Richardson, uh, Richie, he needed to go when he went maybe a year earlier. I know you might have different opinions, but that's just the way I see it. And Grabs, yeah. that really sucks that he, he didn't finish out the contract here and they ended up buying him out. But, you know, it – yeah, the, the moves injury. that end up going bad. It, essentially, you look at those and it's like, okay, now that we have the full picture, was it good at the time? Okay, I can see what you're going for here. I think it was pretty good. How did it turn out? Okay, next question. Why did it turn out that way? And for yep. the Taylor Hall trade, you even though I don't think any of those players involved are going to be like big NHLers, you gave up a lot of assets for a guy that was here for, was it 25 games? A little bit more? Yeah, that's a... That's a, that's a um... That's a trade you make if you're like the Tampa Bay Lightning or you're the Pittsburgh Penguins. People that have been there. This is mm-hmm. a team that has never been there. You don't make a trade like that. Now, am I saying that it that, that the value is right and things like that were correct? Yeah, it was about about fair. It was it was what you'd expect, but you don't make that trade if your team has not proved it. And they they were proving it in in the regular season, so at the time you know, I, I say this always. They were first place in the Pacific Division. And it wasn't just for like a couple days. That was for multiple weeks. They were in first place. And that's why he made that trade for Taylor Hall to shore up the offense. In theory, that trade is not bad. But you don't you don't make a trade like that until your team has made at least out of the first round. 
Same thing with the Kessel trade. Uh, the Kessel trade should have mm-hmm. been great. The problem was his first year, that at first training camp, the dude was flying around. But the problem with a guy like Kessel is he's an Iron Man. So you know if he's hurt and he's not 100%, he's going to play anyway, and it's going to hurt your team. There was how, how many games they had to play him on the fourth line because he could barely skate. But yeah, you had to keep the Iron Man streak going. So it's you essentially, and this is not meant to be like, I hate Phil Kessel. I don't like what he stands for, but I do not hate Phil Kessel the person. But when you look mm-hmm. at that, it's like you're literally saying, I do not care that we are playing with three and a half lines right now. We need to make yeah, sure I, you are out there. I like Phil Kessel. I like the way he plays as a player, the way he acts as a player. I think that's pretty good com- uh, camaraderie. Um, like the way, you know, he's a very shy, kind of mellow guy. Um the biggest problem was that Iron Man streak, and still is that Iron Man streak. I think it's going to be very challenging for him to get actually a contract for a real contender for him to go play with next season because they will not have the ability to scratch him until he breaks that record or potentially... I, I'm assuming once he hits like the 1,000 game mark for his Iron Man streak, he'll be willing to to be scratched or whatever. But yeah, that, that Iron Man streak has been the, the biggest anchor for him recently. And yeah, why he couldn't get traded at the deadline. Mm-hmm. Literally, like uh, it wasn't exactly stated that that was the reason, but we all know that was one of the reasons. It was also mm-hmm. uh, a lot of teams couldn't fit it under the cap. A lot of teams didn't really agree with the value they wanted, which is why they ended up jumping on that Johan Larson trade because you wanted to still get that asset. And yep. it, it's just Kessel injured the first year, had a great shortened season. And then this year, yes, yes. He was racking up assists. He was racking up points. A very good playmaker throughout the year. He lost almost all of his goal-scoring touch, and that tanked his value because people are not acquiring Philip Joseph Kessel for eight for eight goals and fifty-eight assists. They are acquiring him for twenty to twenty-five goals, and who cares how many assists they want him to score? Mm-hmm. So it, it made it really hard to move on. And again, nothing against Phil Kessel the person, but when you I think that's the most interesting thing about trades and looking back at GMs and everything. It's you have to look, did it make sense at the time? Do you think it was a good trade? And then how did it turn out? You ask why you try to break down. And the more I try to break these down, I still have to finish the video on it. I think John Chaika was a wolf in sheep's clothing where, Hey, on paper, he should have been a very good up and coming GM. In actuality, yep. it, it died Pretty the, the facade died pretty quickly, and my biggest concern with Bill Armstrong was the fact that Marulo really wanted Chica here and heavily valued Chica. I don't know if he had the proverbial post clarity. Uh, I, I really hope he did when he hired John or and hired uh, Armstrong, and it seems like he had that clarity afterwards. But the comments at the time, I'm like, even I was starting to kind of my veil was coming off, and I'm like. It, was he actually that good, or did he just look like he was that good? So I think Chaika really sold him on the opportunity that Morello had here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what ended up happening, because I think it was, oh, God, he moved recently to, like, the northeast area. Is it Rich Morin? Richard Morin? I can't R- remember. Rich he Norin? Was sm- Is it? Norin, or- maybe? Is it- uh, he was, a, he was a smaller writer here. Uh, but he's the one, I believe, who broke the story about how there was dysfunction in the front office. And specifically, John Chaika was trying to call all the shots and um, Morello was like 
pushing against some of those ideas. So I think that they start clashing inside the uh, the office, and I think that's when you see you saw the shift from this is my guy to okay something's wrong here, and I I I can I completely think that was the case because we also saw a lot of Reddit posts that came out post uh, Chica and like all the staff that was in there and how toxic that workplace was and why when Bill Armstrong came in cut almost everything out he he cut the cancer out um there's a guy oh god uh 99.9 the howl 99.6 the howl he has a youtube channel uh he actually on his channel has the video of him reading out this reddit post of somebody who actually worked for under john chica as a like not an intern but sort of like a uh, a professional scout and like just how terrible it was under Chica staff and how much of a shit show it was in that office. And it seems a lot healthier to me. There's a reason why Doan didn't want to associate with this front office or with that front office, but now he's willing to associate with this front office. I think that we've seen a course correction for how cancerous the Chica administration was and how, like you were talking about, wolf in sheep's clothing it was. So it's... And it sucks because I really I was starting to like the guy. All right, and mm-hmm. I have no problem admitting that. If you're wrong in life, you're wrong in life. It's better to just be an adult and admit it and move on. And with the benefit of hindsight, all those trades that as a fan, as a as a uh, doe-eyed fan that just wants my team to finally see some success, looked great. Ended up leading to more ruin. And now we're where we're at now. Where, yeah, in five years, I have no problem saying this team should be a cup contender. If they get the right people in prospect development, because that is so important. We banged on about it too much. I'm not going to do it too much here, but it's so important. You get the right people there. They're really trying to build this culture down in Tucson as well. There's a lot of injuries, a lot of movement there, so I understand kind of why this year was as bad as it was. But if you can keep working on that, in five years, this should be a model organization in a brand new yep. arena that's two years old, making the making the playoffs and making it to the second, third round and being like, this team is on the up and up. Who are they going to sacrifice to get what veteran to bring them in to be that final piece? Who's going to be yeah. their Ray Whitney? <laughs> well, Bill Bill Armstrong, you can tell he's not going to do what Chica is going to do. So remember, Chica, oh, we're going to retool and we're going to go for it. Why are you making trades to get rid of your seventh overall pick for Derek Stepan and Antti Ranta? Right? You're rebuilding. Why are you making that trade? Why are you making the Taylor Hall trade... You know, to get rid of Dawson Mercer, that's the guy who was taken with that first, and Kevin Ball and uh, I think it was Nate Merkley. Schnarr. Merkley and Schnarr, yeah. I think it was Merkley. I don't remember. the the <laughs> two The two end pieces on those those uh, filler p- pieces never really amounted to anything. That trade really sh- is Taylor Hall for Kevin Ball and Dawson Mercer. I think that's pretty much what we're going to see that trade becoming. Mm-hmm. But why do you trade those two assets when you're still rebuilding? You're still trying to get there. And that is something that I don't think we're going to be seeing from Bill Armstrong. I'm going to pull us back in, though, real quick mm-hmm. here. Not real quick, but let's transition back. <laughs> we teased our trade with L.A. And talking about that 18th overall pick, I want to quickly talk a little bit about how we would we'd obtain that asset for Chikrin. Um, 
So the the package that we were we are toying with here was Chikrin, the 18th overall pick, and then um, the other one being one of the the assets. As my my face lights up because I'm going to look. <laughs> um, we were talking about Alex Turcott is probably an asset that they might part ways with because he has not been able to crack the lineup. Um, if I'm trying to get maximum at max the maximum amount out of this trade, I would love to try to steal Brant Clark from them. I don't think that happens, but that's a guy who I really like. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about this? Or I just wanted to talk about Turcotte where... Uh, the the biggest thing were behind the Smith trades, behind the McBain trades. McBain chose Arizona over uh, Minnesota, I believe, uh, because mm-hmm. he didn't want to have to compete for what essentially would have been limited minutes anyway. If you go to Arizona, we have those minutes available because we can eat up dead contracts to get us to the floor. Theoretically, we can have a team that's average age is like 22 next year. Theoretically, it does not mean that will happen, but theoretically mm-hmm. you could have that. And if you have Turcotte with McBain, I don't care who's on the right side, some things could happen there. What's the worst case scenario? Chikrin, we already talked about it, he does not want to be here anymore. He's not. He's at mm-hmm. least not being a canter about it. He's, he's being very nice. He's, he's not dissing the market. But you can tell, you read between the lines, you understand corporate politics, talked about it last week. He wants out of Arizona, and that's fine, so long as we're getting something back we could use. And if we can finagle around with that first-round pick and kind of trade around and see what we can do... But you get Turcotte, he benefits us right now because worst case scenario, Chikrin didn't want to be here anyway. We at least tried to bring in a good young forward. He doesn't work out. He doesn't work out. Maybe you re-sign him, you flip him for like a third round pick, you get something for him, or you just let him go. Or you can have those uh, pro- those project trades where guys that are about the age of Kevin Bianco, the 25-year-olds that are either trying to really break that roster or they're kind of stalling out. Uh, you just swap them around. Sometimes change of scenery works too, and those end up being really underrated trades. At the very least, yep. you're getting yourself more usable assets, and I think that would be really smart. But speaking about assets, speaking about underrated trades. trades. <laughs> underrated <laughs> trades. Let's uh, talk about it. All Reckman Larson. All of our Ollie Boy. O G O E A L. Goal. <laughs> I don't know what I just spelt there. I I, have, I I thought you were going for O Canada, then you said O Goal, but anyway. So I don't know. OEL is allegedly back on the trade block. Uh, so is Connor Garland, also allegedly. That's been going on for the entire year because Vancouver. Uh, I have no ill will against Vancouver. If a Vancouver fan starts talking trash, maybe I'll start the ill will. But as of right now, I don't. Uh, the fact that they made the they gave us the glory of King Louis and a couple other other trash pieces that all are expiring, that we can have those roster spots for later, and they're stuck trying to deal with our garbage former captain, great before he was a captain. As soon as he became the captain, a couple of years before that, I think he started really going downhill defensively, um, just so you know my opinions on that. And Carter Garland, who was our best goal scorer, phenomenal player, uh, they, they get him for a year, they're like, oh wait, we still have cap hell, let's try to move on immediately from these guys. And the cope that I was seeing, I was seeing some draft day tweets uh, resurface. Uh, Dylan Gunther will never be Connor Garland. I love Connor Garland. Uh, theoretically, he was going to be a very good replacement for Connor Garland. You're going to have Gunther and Doan both being Garland-esque players with more size that were going to provide more depth scoring for the Coyotes in the future. Good trade. Dylan yep. Gunther has been phenomenal 
so far this year in, in Edmonton, and I think in the playoffs yep. as well. Also, I didn't know this before, they had him playing some center too, meaning he probably could come in as a center, or you can throw him on either side of the wing. You can throw him with McBain. You can throw him with, If you want to try McBain, Keller, and Gunther, hell, have at it. Just throw it out there, have a little bit of fun. What's the worst-case scenario? Oh, we got to break this lineup 10 games in. Who cares? Let's have some fun with it. The, the fact that... The kind of assets yeah. we have right now. And, and those assets we traded are essentially not worth less, but worth less than the asset we got yeah. back for them. <laughs> yeah, that trade is looking better and better by the day. That is really unfortunate because I was a lot closer than some people. Some people were like, oh, this is awful. This is tra- terrible. There were also Canadians, you know, like... Lol, 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 thanks for taking on the shit contracts. We'll take uh, OEL and Garland off your hands. Uh, you know, uh, uh, and the Coyotes are just a, uh, a what was it, a prospect pipeline that just creates <laughs> prospects for, you know, NHLers for for the NHL, you know. Like, Basically, they're the AHL, NHL team. Y- like, they're just, yeah, like, just const- constant insults like that, and... Oh, yeah, Man. the first-pairing defenseman. He's going to be so great. At one point, Kepa Bianco had the same amount of points in, like, 10 less games in OEL, playing more limited minutes. I didn't mean to cut you off there. I, I had to throw that in there just because it's funny. <laughs> just Don't lie to me. It's because you love your Capo Biancos. Yes, the just, answer is you, yes, you and all it's this... both, and it's all of it. Please, <laughs> I, return uh... my phone calls. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was shocked at how little production they actually got out of OEL. I thought he was going to have a bounce back season. So my prediction was I thought he was going to have a bounce back season. Uh he's going to maybe have like two more good seasons. He was going to be really solid and maybe bounce back to the 40 50 point guy and then it would start to tail, tail off significantly from there. I am shocked at how little he was able to produce in Vancouver and now you hear the rumors in the offseason that they want to get out from under that contract and good luck there's a reason we traded that out because nobody wants to take on seven million dollars for a guy who is at the best at the best a second line guy and at the allegedly he was one of their better defenders which it's great finally OEL's turning it around defensively that, that, I know I'm sounding sarcastic. That's actually genuinely a good thing. I, I do want to give him credit for that. Here's the problem. Uh, at least when he sucked defensively here, he could still put the puck in the net. Uh, he wasn't doing that much in Vancouver. And Garland, they got 18 out of him or 17 goals. He was sub-20. And as much as I love mm-hmm. Connor Garland, and I was I genuinely wanted him to get like national respect, he, ne- he didn't perform well enough to get that national respect because you're in a Canadian market, you need to score 20, 25 goals to get anything more than Canuck fan admiration, which it's good that Canuck fans love him. Uh, more more eyes on Connor Garland, the better, legitimately. But the fact that mm-hmm. they're already, allegedly, one more time, I'll just say it, just to cover our butts, allegedly looking to move on from these guys one year later when all three of those contracts, including our glorious, I hope he comes back, King Louie, would have also expired after that year. Were they that desperate to try to make the playoffs and then fail anyway? Like, I don't get it. 
I, I just, it didn't make sense at the time. Shannon, the hockey guy, was saying it didn't make sense. None of the Canadian fans agreed it made sense, except for the ones that were like, yeah, we're going to the playoffs, and OEL's going to be a he, – he's a, he's a number one defenseman, and we all know he's a number one defenseman. He hasn't been that for, like, seven years. Look, Coyotes fans, yeah. as much as they love him, also agree he was not a good captain, and defensively he had fallen off for they, – they agree at least the, the last couple of years – is what I'm kind of getting the consensus at, but it started years before that, and good offensive numbers on a bad team can only mask that so much. And if you would like us he- to take OEL back, it's only going to cost you one Connor Garland and maybe a date with Elias Pettersson. You know, just let, let him come in for the training camp, let him let, let him teach Jack McBain a couple of things, and then imagine, yeah. <laughs> imagine that you trade away Connor Garland and OEL for. Effectively, Dylan Gunther. Let's be honest. Like <laughs> the other three assets are just dumps. Mm-hmm. Uh, you uh, trade away OEL and Garland for Dylan Gunther, and then you trade them back for <laughs> for nothing. Like you just thank you for the <laughs> thank we you have for Shane Dylan Gunther. And... You know what? You can have Ghost if you give me Connor Garland back. I'll eat OEL's contract, and you can have Ghost. Is it, <laughs> that sound fair? That's not like fair no, value. <laughs> no, I have an OEL jersey, and I don't want OEL back. I'm sorry, not sorry. His very clearly, the injuries that he sustained from trying to be the guy who played 30 minutes a night clearly became burnt out, and he is not the same player that he was going into 2012 playoffs, where he looked like a stud. As a rookie, I think I have three OEL jerseys. They were cheap. If you keep them on discount, I'll buy as many of them because, oh, hey, I got uh, a, a bit of a burrito on this jersey. I can just burn it. I have three more OEL jerseys in the back. It's fine. These yep. things are like tissue paper in Arizona. <laughs> well, speaking of tissue paper, let's talk about the goalies. Because like Auntie Ronto, that are, uh, talk about some glass knees that well, actually I'm, stood I'm up for some about, reason. I'm talking about all the tissue paper of our goalie carousel here in Arizona and how all, not all, a bunch of them are going or potentially going to the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. We currently have three goalies who were previously Coyotes moving on, and tonight we will find out if it is between three to five. Some of those names include Scott Wedgwood, who was traded for a fourth that became a third because Dallas made the playoffs. You've got one Louis Domingue, who is battling for his life with the (laughs) Pittsburgh Penguins against the Rangers to move on as well. Pittsburgh's going to win that game. They're going to win game seven. (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) We have, uh, who else is there? Auntie Ranta who has been pretty good for Carolina. He's been very ser- serviceable there. They, they, the uh, super I'm glad movie to see- sent along with him. Actually, they used it to keep his knees together. So he, Yes. Good on him. I'm just glad he's not playing here because he couldn't play more than like 12 games a year. I loved him. He, I loved him. He, great guy. Great, great goalie. Could not stay healthy. Could not stay healthy. Uh, another goalie is Michael Smith. We're not Mike talking Smith. about him. We're moving on. <laughs> <laughs> he is finally in his real hockey market in Edmonton with real hockey fans. And he's moving on to the second round after defeating 
Jonathan Quick again, or not defeating him again, but finally beating Jonathan Quick in the playoffs. Or was um, that 2012 jerk bag? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you tell him. Uh, who else is the last goaltender I'm missing? Oh, why is it slipping my mind, too? It's actually better if we I, just talk the team uh, because obviously yeah. we talked about Pittsburgh, I failed, we talked about I, Dallas, Edmonton, Carolina. Oh, Darcy Kemper. What am I thinking? Oh, you Darcy. mean, you mean uh, Vesna? Vesna winning? Yeah, no, Mr. Not Mr. Winning, Vesna. <laughs> Darcy Kemper himself? Yes, Darcy Kemper. I still got a bit uh, of a another... bone to pick with him after he vocally said, I will not re-sign here. You idiot. We could have tried to squeeze new hook out of him. <laughs> True. True. Bad. But we Sorry. did get in a bidding Nothing war, which brought up the price. <laughs> we, brought, we, we got him into a bidding war and brought up the price. Apparently, the bidding war was between the Oilers and Colorado, and Colorado was willing to pay the highest price. But with that being said, I love that guy. He he wins my NHL Good Guy Award every single year. Talk about a guy like there are a lot of different different quirky goalies just in general in the sport. You, you know whether you're playing beer league or you're playing in the NHL, you have there's like different types of goalies. You got weird ones. You got ones that will flame your team for defensively breaking down. And then you got Darcy Kemper, who goes, oh, shucks, guys, I let it in. We messed up. Let's get back out there and win this game. Just always happy. Just always in a good mood. Doesn't matter if you completely screw him over. He doesn't blame it on people. He says, I could have had it. Oh, I could have done something here. You know, just good guy award. Love that guy. The, the, love that guy. But, uh, the, the 20- love that guy. The 2020 playoffs broke that man in Arizona, though, because, look, I I still, to this day, I do not care how many people want to rewrite history. It was freaking impressive how much that defense was able to shut down Colorado for the first, what, 50, 50-some-odd minutes of, I think it was game one, two, and three, and then it was floodgates yep. every game after that, uh, but, mm-hmm. uh, the last two, excuse me, but... Yeah, with how impressive it was, how Darcy Kemper stood on his head. But then when the goals came in, it, when it rains, it pours. I felt so bad for that guy because he was, like, sla- like smacking his sick. Like, again, nothing against him personally. I, he's a jerkwad for saying he's not going to re-sign so he couldn't get new hook. But, <laughs> I mean, as a person, nothing against him. Loved him as a player. But, like, th- they broke that man. I felt so bad for Darcy Kemper after that because I'm like, he... He gave it. He gave his all. The rest of the team offensively yeah. didn't give anything. The defense, I think, not stood on their head, but they definitely withstood a lot of blows. But Darcy Kemper stood on his freaking head, and it, that that was a painful series to watch him like break down after that. And then the really, not like terrible twenty twenty one, but it was. He he was definitely uh, not the same Darcy Kemper that ends up getting getting traded off. Hmm. Yeah, he definitely was dropping his stock in 2021. The only thing that brought it back was actually uh, his p- tournament play. Uh, what was it? The World Cup of Hockey or whatever it was, where he played really, really well for Canada. And I think he won gold. That's that's what really brought his stock capital back up. We're not here to talk positively about Canada. We're here to collect uh, maple leaf tears. That's what, that's what it's really all about. Mm-hmm. This, this is Arizona, boys. The <laughs> sweetest kind of tears, maple leaf tears. 
Man, are those those are those are some rich tears. Although they be started to become more and more abundant, so the uh, the taste is not so sweet anymore. But I uh, I still enjoy them from time to time. It's not even about the taste anymore. It's about the fact that we're in a drought. We actually have been storing maple leaf tears for the last five or so years. Uh, we actually have enough water to if we don't get rain for the next decade. We we have True. enough. Maple leaf tears to get us through. True. <laughs> oh, that was stupid. I regret nothing, but that was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are we are we good to call it, you think? I, I think we're good to call it, and we only right. were off by 20 minutes. We only added only tw- 20 minutes of the run time. We were, we were <laughs> so close, but then we started looping back into the arena talk and that's that's where <laughs> that's where all that runtime came from TLDR, us turning this into a podcast or a hockey focused podcast was both the smartest thing we could have ever done and the dumbest idea we've ever had because it, it could be the smallest question and because of how mm-hmm. like well Rich, richie's not he's successful whatever but like we're both kind of losers in the aspect where it's like we have so much knowledge on this franchise that we will just go and like the energizer bunny and just keep going and it's been six hours and my wife's like please i would like to go eat dinner now (laughs) (laughs) yep yep that's pretty accurate anyways i say let's call it there we another great successful show here on the Desert Moon Hockey Podcast. And uh, we are now into month number two of consistent uploads. So, very fun. Very fun. Gotta take the, the small victories. Rare Anyways. We take any victory we can get. <laughs> Anyways, I, I would like to remind you all that uh, whatever you're listening to this on, whether it's YouTube or any other uh, podcast platform, please give us a like, follow, subscription, anything like that. We are a small little channel that is blossoming into a great saguaro cactus because it is here in the desert. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, anyways, thanks for listening to us ramble and talk about uh, coyotes for an hour and 20 minutes. So, thank you so much. We'll see you later.